1: I'll start the, the build-up to this this column read with the idea that when you're commentating on somebody else's performance, I think it brings you a huge responsibility. And I felt I had to write about, or largely about Sampaoli, the, the Sevilla coach. Towards the end of the column, I say something that I mean very strongly about how relatively simple it is to make the critical points that I'm going on to make. And I, I probably won't um, bump into Sampaoli. He probably won't read these words. And it's very probable that my analysis won't contribute to what I think is his impending downfall at Sevilla. But this column, nonetheless, was constructed and written with the idea that I had very pungent honestly held and I think accurate views to commit to print. But it was written with the idea that there's a guy at the other side of this, there's a guy whose career matters to him and however badly it seems to be going at the moment. We all have bad months at the office, we all make mistakes and and therefore writing about this and towards the end suggesting that Sevilla let Sampaoli go now was a a statement that I took very seriously. At any rate, here's the rest of the column. Oh, by the way, don't be shy about visiting ESPN FC. They're very good at what they do. For traditionalists, romantics, and fans of two of Spain's most successful clubs, the La Liga table makes absolutely apocalyptic reading right now. Scan all the way to the relegation zone... And you'll see Valencia, second bottom, and Sevilla, one bad weekend away from joining them in the drop zone. Almost all season, while Sevilla have performed like self-indulgent dilettantes, there have been questions about, do they really have the stomach for a relegation dogfight? However, for many months, Valencia weren't really part of that doomsday equation, now Unquestionably, they are. It sounds sacrilegious to even mention it, but what if they were both relegated? Horrifying for Sevilla and Valencia, the fans, for employment in their cities, for the club's financial situations, and devastating for how attractive La Liga would be around the world while it fights tooth and nail to compete for attention, sponsorship and let's face it, affection against England's Premier League. These two clubs aren't simply historical greats, or at least that's not the best way to define their importance to La Liga and Spanish football in general. Between them, over the last 20 years, Valencia and Sevilla have won 16 major trophies, defeating Liverpool, Marseille, Inter Milan, Porto, Barcelona and Real Madrid while doing so, A total which is split nicely between domestic silverware and defeating the best that the continent of Europe has had to offer before winning one of UEFA's competitions. When Spain achieved that unparalleled triptych of back-to-back trophies, Euro 2008, World Cup 2010 and Euro 2012 you could see Valencia and Sevilla mentioned 13 times across those three squad lists. The club in the searingly hot heart of Andalusia and the other club perched elegantly on Spain's eastern Mediterranean coast provided the foot soldiers who helped march La Roja to world dominance. Los Che and Los Rojiblancos, Valencia and Sevilla, have been across the years of their pomp, wonderful for the neutral too, in that they would regularly harass, bother and then defeat the ancien regime of Real Madrid and Barcelona. Sevilla and Valencia, at their best, were the upsetters. Now, they're merely upset, and frankly, upsetting to watch. For the moment, Valencia are a case apart. They've sacked the coach with whom they began the season, Italy's World Cup winning midfielder Rino Gattuso, so as to install two club legends, Ruben Baraja and Carlos Marchena. Los Che were ferocious in their penultimate fixture, defeating Real Sociedad in a display of naked sporting aggression, in which their team, whose average age is 23, played like you'd expect a group of SAS or US Navy SEALs to perform if they were given the orders to storm La Liga and rescue Valencia at any cost. That esprit de corps and who dares wins mentality didn't pass muster at Camp Nou this weekend when, once facing a stumbling, fragile ten-man Barcelona, Ruben Baraja's side failed to get a shot on target. Nevertheless, Los Che are in the process of restoring their chutzpah, finding out whether or not Baraja, their superb former midfielder, who scored six goals in Valencia's last eight matches when that Rafa Benitez Valencia side surged to become Spanish champions in 2002, is actually the right guy for the current situation. Sevilla, on the other hand, look like they need emergency surgery. Whichever criteria they apply, whatever decision they eventually reach, there's no doubt at all that they need to be critically analysing whether Jorge Sampaoli is the right man to try and keep them out of the second division. He's pugnacious, he's had success, although long ago and far away, but the wee Argentinian who turns 63 next week and who's not far off his 20th different managerial position across a peripatetic career, portrays as a man who's doing as much damage as he's doing good at Sevilla right now. Yes, Sevilla's temporary sputtering resurrection over the last couple of months, narrow wins over fellow relegation candidates like Elche, Cadiz and Getafe, plus a nip-and-tuck 3-2 defeat of PSV in the Europa League, came on the Chileans' watch. True. But there has been crystal clear evidence that Los Rojiblancos' improvement owes much more to senior, high-quality players getting fit again. The addition of Loic Bade, Lucas Ocampos, Brian Hill and Pape Guay in the winter transfer market, nothing to do with Paoli, plus the very obvious return to scoring... Of the enigmatic EnNeri, Now, for Sampaoli's critics, to the evidence against. Much of Sevilla's defeat at Camp Now in early February was Sampaoli's fault, a tactical dunce's class rather than the master class. He designed a perfectly adequate defensive system and, for much of the first half, made things awkward for the La Liga leaders. Then he took off in Naziri, liberated Barcelona from the threat of the Moroccans' power and pace, reduced Sevilla's capacity to score and, above all, played Ivan Rakitic as the false number nine. Now the Croat, who's 35 next week, is many things. But fast in the sprint or likely to author a high-speed counterattack goal, he's not. Without Sevilla using a proper striker, Barcelona reacted accordingly, pushed extra men forward in the knowledge that there was next to zero chance of being caught on the break and duly overwhelmed Sevilla numerically and won 3-0 from the 0-0 stalemate at half-time. It's not easy being a coach in a sinking team. It's much easier to be a Monday morning quarterback in this style but that night, by any definition, was atrocious thinking. Sevilla away to Rayo two games later and Sampaoli watched his team dominate the first half, take the lead, and then he decided to repeat the folly of the camp now. He removed centre-forward Rafa Mir at half-time and didn't put on another striker until 14 minutes from the end, by which point Rayo had their tails up, had equalized, and were playing like buccaneers with the wind in their sails.
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together.
1: Now come the two even more damning pieces of evidence for those who think Sevilla's coach is guilty of contributing to their currently parlous state. In what was a marvellous match for the neutrals, brim full of excellence, skill and thrills, Osasuna went to the Nervion last week and won 3-2. It was an absolutely beautiful football match. In many aspects, during which Naziri scored the best goal of Sevilla's entire season to equalize at 2-2 with 12 minutes left. Naziri's World Cup teammate for Morocco, Abde, on loan from Barcelona, restored Osasuna's lead with an equally spiffing goal, and chaos ensued. Sevilla threw the kitchen sink at the visitors. Fernando, already subbed off, lost his temper so badly that he was red carded on the bench and missed this weekend's defeat at Atletico Madrid. The ferocious Sevilla crowd bayed at the moon in abject fury and misery. What not everybody noticed amidst the bedlam is that right after Abde's goal made it 3-2 to Osasuna again, Paoli had drawn out a huge A4 page of instructions An A4 page of instructions at 3-2 down with five minutes left, which Nemanja Gudeli was instructed to hand to his midfield colleague Oliver Torres. On witnessing this, Sevilla's best player all season, World Cup winning Marcos Acuna, ran up, furiously snatched the coach's instructions out of Oliver Torres' hands, before the Spaniard could read them, And Acuna crumpled the paper up and threw it in disgust onto the ground. It was an action which told two stories. Firstly, the game's about to recommence and we need to equalise. Start concentrating. And again from Acuna, never mind that total nonsense from the coach. What does he know? If you watch it, it was brutal. And after another tactical botch-up when Sevilla lost by an historic margin at Atletico Madrid on Saturday night, Acuna duly stated, the sensations are terrible. If we've had six goals put past us, that means we've played really badly. It's not only the coach's fault, but he's given us concepts to use in the pitch which we've not understood. Here's your summary. World Cup winning Acuna... A state against Sabia's best player all season telling us with clarity that the coach isn't either convincing or even helping his struggling currently relegation-bound players. I think it's too simple in a written column just to say Sampoli out and leave it at that. Frankly, it looks like an inevitable conclusion but there are consequences. There are what nexts. The Chileans' contract is up at the end of this season and it would cost a painful seven-figure sum to remove him now when there are only a handful of months left in his deal. That leaves the key question as this. Do Sevilla have a clear coaching option whose arrival would mean that the millions spent on removing Sampaoli now would be worthwhile because the new man, Joaquin Caparrós, Jose Bordalas, Marcelino, could be as good as guaranteed to keep Sevilla in La Liga. This is a club which has made eight managerial appointments since they last won a trophy in 2016, spending millions on sackings as a result, and a club embroiled in a hugely damaging internecine fight for overall control between the current president and his now free-from-jail rival and predecessor. Is there anybody at the club in the right frame of mind with the correct judgment criteria, including the badly besmirched director of football, Monchi, who's in a position to weigh up the pros and cons of sacking Paoli and to make a brilliant decision about what to do next? You would honestly be fearful about the answer to that question. I don't often sign off, folks, from the column. As far as reading this is concerned, I felt it was the right issue coming off the back of that weekend with both Valencia and Sevilla defeated, with both of them now looking in danger of having to fight relegation all the way to May when, frankly, I had thought that Sevilla's revival with those returning good players, whether in the transfer market or returning from injury, Suso is one I didn't name. I genuinely thought they were beginning to move away and look safe and yet, in recent matches, they've they've begun to look as if they're adrift from one another. The coach, the club, the players... Now the fans. The fans will see Sevilla trot out against Fenerbahce and then they'll host Almeria. If San Paolo makes it through those games then I'll be pleased for him. There's nothing personal in this column whatsoever. It's truly meant analytically that all the evidence at the moment points at him not being the right man. Hope I'm wrong and I hope above hope. That we do not see the doomsday scenario of Elche, Valencia and Sevilla being relegated in June. (laughs)